I hope all of you guys are having a, a good day today as uh, we are entering the week of Christmas. I hope you guys are excited. Um, I know that I am. And uh, maybe this week, uh, maybe you face some things that you were not expecting and it's not the Christmas that you wanted. Um, but I believe that God is still working even though things are not appearing to be as we would want them to be. And I think that every, reason, every person here who is reasonable, who is healthy, um, desires peace and joy. I think we all want to feel a life of peace we, where everything goes as it should, where everything is in its place, where everything is working as it should be working, doing what it's supposed to be doing. We want to go to work and feel no conflict there. We want to go home and feel peace. We also want to feel joy. We want to feel the joy of seeing our loved ones succeed. We want to feel the joy of having a newborn baby, the joy of good grades, the joy of doing well in our job and providing for our family and achieving the goals that we have put in our lives. We want to feel joy and we want to have peace. These feelings are good feelings. And maybe this year, these feelings haven't been as present as we would want them to be. Instead of things going as expected, well, did things go contrary to what we wanted them to go? It was better this year to expect that things would not go as we would want them to go. This year, we were conditioned, we were trained to think, to ex just expect things to go hay haywire. As a high school teacher, I, I, I was, this was so true because we were thinking, are we going to be going to school in, in person? We were planning to, but the week before the semester started, it turns out that we were going to do online school. So it turns out that we were going to be online for the first semester. Oh, now there appears to be a chance for, for a hybrid format. Oh, what? Now we have to be completely remote again. Wait, we can open up. Now we have to close, and it just, it just goes back and forth, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who could relate. And even within our social lives, we can go out, we can eat outside, maybe we could eat even inside the restaurants, or maybe we can't even go to restaurants anymore. We can't even go out, we're not even supposed to meet. And these places where we would find peace, these little rituals, these little traditions, habits that we had... They were challenged this year. It was hard to find moments of peace and maybe even moments of joy. While there were moments of joy, of real and profound joy, the social unrest within this country and the things that happened within our families maybe made things so hard. But I want to ask you this. Do we... As Christians lose hope and finding peace and 
having joy in a year such as this one. Just because things are as they are, do we just lose hope, lose our joy, lose our peace? Well, today I wanted to take some time to look at the unexpected gospel of peace and joy. If you have your Bibles, open it up with me to Luke 2, verses 1 to 20. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, feel free to take out your phone, look at it there. If you want to join us, it will be on the screen as well. And it will also be within your bulletin. Uh, It's right there. Um, it's what we've used. Instead of the notes, it's the scripture is right there written. And feel free to write on it. I'll put things on the screen that you can write. And also feel free to write things that God is speaking to you through the scriptures. So feel free to do that. But I hope you guys have your Bibles open. Luke 2, I'll be reading from the NIV. And we're going to be reading the Christmas story. Luke 2, 1 through 20, it says this. In those days, Caesar, Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to, in, Galilee, to, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. And we read this earlier, early on today in this service. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of The heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Today I want to talk about the unexpected gospel of peace and joy. Right there we're at, if you could close your eyes and bow your head and pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for bringing us all together. I pray that as we look at the birth of Christ, we may be comforted. That we may see that we do have a reason to be joyful. That there is a reason to feel peace during this time. I pray that you may help us. And I pray for those who are not present today, God, that you may bring them peace even though they are not here. And bring them joy. Because you know during this time, it may be a hard time for many people. And I pray that even the joy that we experience, we could give it to others. We pray this in your name. Amen. In Luke, in the, in the passage that we read, the first verses that we read, Luke 2, 1 through 3, we read this in the beginning. And we find the character Augustus. He had the honorific title Caesar, Caesar Augustus, which conveys the same thing as emperor. So here we have Emperor Augustus. And he was the emperor of Rome during 27 BC and 14 AD CE, uh, whichever acronym you use. And here's a picture of him. Some have said that people sculpted his head to be pretty big because the Romans saw him as a figure larger than life. They saw him as a divine being, as the savior of the world. Augustus spread propaganda. He proclaimed, he said that he was the one who had brought universal peace. He was viewed as someone who was so divine that on his epitaph, on his tombstone, it was inscribed that he was the son of God. This so-called son of God, this bringer of peace, commanded everyone to return to their hometown for a census so that he could tax accordingly. And according to some historians, he, he taxed people maybe 80 or 90% of their entire income. And we read the first passage, and any reader of Luke should see from the first verses of the chapter that something is very wrong. The nation of Israel was supposed to represent God to the nations, but now they are under oppression. The census meant according to N.T. Wright. The census meant not only that the people were going to have to pay up, they're going to pay more money, but that they were being enlisted as subject members in a kingdom ruled by a foreign power. This foreign king, Augustus, was exerting his authority over a people that according to Moses and the prophets, they were supposed to be God's people. Verses 1 through 3 are a reminder of oppression. It reminded the Jewish people of the alien rule of Rome and the demand of tribute that the emperor had demanded. While the verses 
yes, they are a reminder of oppression. This is also part of God's plan, even though it looks pretty dark. God was using Augustus to serve in his plan. Augustus unwittingly helped the Messiah be born in Bethlehem. In Luke 2, 4 to 5, we see Joseph and Mary, who is now expecting a child, just like the angel Gabriel said, a virgin with a child. Here we see Mary, a virgin expecting a child. These two, because of the census, went up to Bethlehem. Here's a picture of their journey. They're up there in Nazareth, and then they traveled all the way down to Bethlehem. It looks like they went down, but the Bible says that they went up. They went, it looks like they went down because they're going south. But the people of the land would refer to, whenever they're going to Jerusalem, they would always refer it to going up. Because Jerusalem, the southern region, it was on a hill. So they were going uphill. So they went up because they were going uphill. Joseph was going to Bethlehem because that was the hometown of his clan, his lineage. He belonged to the line of King David. Something interesting about Bethlehem is that a prophet of old said this about Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, talking about Bethlehem, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old from ancient times. The prophet was talking about a hope. There was hope that from Bethlehem a king would come. Augustus, the Roman king, sent everyone to their hometown. Exerting his authority, showing that he is in control. But little did he know that by sending everyone home, he was contributing to God's plan being fulfilled. He was sending the true king to be born in the promised land. According to Luke 2, 6-7, while Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Luke, in his simple terms, wrote that Mary had wrapped Jesus in cloths and, and placed him in a manger. A manger was like a stall where oxen and donkeys reside. Here's a depiction of the scene. It was probably very, very dark. The ma- this major could have been something like a cave. And Jesus was wrapped in cloth and placed in a major because there was no room available for him. According to one scholar of the New Testament, Fred B. Caddock, this is what he said. Luke, the author who wrote this, has kept the story clean of any decoration. 
that would remove it from the lowly, the poor, and the marginal of the earth. In the history of the church, there have been many so poor and abandoned as to be able to identify with this scene. People, because of this lowly setting where Jesus was born, people could identify and relate with him. In this humble place, the king has come. God has come. This king is so much different than the officials of Rome. Here's an observation, observation I found, and I think it's pretty insightful. It says, monarchs are shut up in their palaces, and the palaces are surrounded with soldiers. It is not easy to have audiences with princes. Those who would speak to them must expect to have their patience tried. They will often be sent away and told to come again. That this is not the hour of audience. It's really hard to be able to talk to a king. And maybe we could relate, think about a president going just to talk to the president or a national leader. It's really hard. But this is not the case with Christ. Jesus Christ does not do so. He remains in that cave and he is there as little child. Attracting all who come to seek him. And the cave is open without guards and without doors so that all may go in when they please to seek him and speak to him and even to embrace this infant king if they love him and desire him. This king, he, he is not beyond our grasp. He comes as a child vulnerable and accessible. The same person who said the previous quote, Alphonsus Ligori, said this, Go to the cave of Bethlehem. There adore the infant, which you will find laid on the straw in a manger and shivering with cold. Know in this humble setting that he is your God, who would not consent to send anyone else to save you, but would come himself, that he might gain for himself all your love. In that cold manger, there was the infant, a baby. People came to worship him because the baby was not just a mere human. He was God Made in the flesh. And God, he didn't decide to send someone else, but he only decided to come himself to come. He came and he came to save you. He came to be the object of your love. He came as a child. The true king had come. When there was this fake king, Augustus, who wanted to tax the people. Ephraim the Syrian said, at the birth of the son, the king, talking about Augustus, was enrolling all men for the tribute of money. He was telling everybody, go do the census so he could make more money, that they might be debtors to him. 
the king, the real king, came forth to us. He didn't charge us. What did he do instead? He blotted out our bills and wrote another bill in his own name that he might be our debtor. The kings of the world wanted to charge the world and they continue to charge and just profit from the world. But the real king of the universe wanted to give himself to pay our debt, to blot out our debt. He didn't want to add to our debt, but instead he wanted to pay our debt. Yet this king Even though he's so awesome and great, this king was born in the habitation of animals because there was no room for him in human society and in human history. And then we read that in nearby fields, there were these shepherds keeping watch over their flock at night. Shepherds were not part of the upper class. No, they were nobodies in the ancient Rome. Actually, shepherds had a bad reputation because they were always working. They were not religious people. They didn't go to the temple as everyone else did. They were considered unreliable and therefore bad witnesses in legal court. Yet, Just as the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And like Mary and like most people, when the shepherds had an experience with an angel, they were greatly terrified. In verse 10, the angel addressed the terrified shepherds by saying the same words that the angel Gabriel said to Mary. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. These are words we need to hear. And that's why these words frequently reappear in the scriptures. Do not be afraid. Instead of being afraid, look at this. There is good news. Even though Augustus was king, there is good news. The word for good news can be translated as gospel. Gospel could be a royal announcement or proclamation. It was customary in the Roman Empire for poets and orators to declare peace and prosperity at the birth of a person who would eventually become the emperor. And there's something similar taking place here. The gospel does not come from a poet or an orator, but instead it came from heaven, from an angel. The angel proclaimed this good news which was not proclaimed in fancy halls, in the fancy halls of the emperor's palace. But rather, it was proclaimed to the poor and to the lowly. It was proclaimed to frightened shepherds. What is 
the gospel. What is the good news? Well, first, the angel says it brings joy for all the people. The good news is not just a historical event, a mere announcement. It actually brings joy. And it's real joy, not a superficial type of joy that you feel after you accomplish something or something went your way. No, this is real joy that affects everyone, not just those who lived under Augustus, The good news that the angel proclaimed brings joy to all people. A shepherd could experience joy. The people during the Roman period could experience joy. And we who live in the 21st century can experience joy. And what is this good news that will bring great joy? I also find it interesting that the shepherds, they were greatly terrified, but now they have the opportunity to experience, instead of fear, great fear, they could experience great joy. And it's because they could hear the good news. And what is this good news? What is the message of Christianity? What is it? What is the message of joy? What is the message of of Christmas. It's not consumerism. It's this. Look at what the angel explained. Today in the town of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. And he is the Messiah, the Christ. Messiah, Christ, Christ, Messiah, they are the same thing. Messiah is just from the Hebrew and Christ is from the Greek. Christ is not Jesus' last name, even though it sometimes appears like it. And Christ means anointed one. It was a title used to talk about the one, the God's chosen king who would come to bring peace and salvation to the world. The angel had cried out that the king has come. And this is the sign that the savior, king, lord has come. It's not like this miraculous sign, this very apparent glorious sign. No, it is this. This humble scene, this simple scene. There is great news because of this sign. The in a manger. You will find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying there. I love what Ambrose said. He said this. He, talking about God, he was a baby and a child so that you may be a perfect human. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes so that you may be freed from the snares of death. He was in a major so that you may be in the altar. He was on earth that you may be in the stars. 
He had no other place in the inn so that you may have many mansions in the heavens. He, being rich, became poor for your sakes, that through his poverty you might be rich. Therefore, his poverty is our inheritance, and the Lord's weakness is our virtue. He chose to lack for himself that he may abound for all. And I, I, like, I like this. The sobs of that appalling infancy, the, the tears, cleanse me. Those tears wash away my sins. Salvation came because God came from heaven to become an infant. And then in verses 13 to 14, a host of angels appeared and began to praise God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. After hearing the great news of the Savior coming, the only thing the angel could do is sing and praise God. All of the angels, they they came together and they gave glory to God. They gave God all the credit and they also recognized that peace has come to earth. This earth that has been corrupted by human affairs, wars, battles, sin, murder, rebellion, oppression, pandemics, greed, envy, hate, racism, abuse, all of these things that corrupt the earth, that has caused there to be chaos. We could see that there has been chaos. But similar to the picture of Genesis 1-2, The earth was without form and void. The earth was tohu vavohu. And today, it looks like it's chaotic. It looks like there's nothing. Nothing going as it should. Peace appears to be absent. And I bring this up again because part of the good news is that the chaos of this world has been dealt with. Through the birth of Jesus. Peace has come to the earth. No more chaos. No more tohu vavohu. There is shalom. The Hebrew word for peace. There is peace. Completeness. There is peace between people and God. And that is something that is so much needed today. Because of the birth of Jesus, the wholeness of life, which God intended for his people, is now available. Restoration is accessible to all people and societies. And it's available to all those on whom God's favor rests on. The idea behind God's favor is God's goodwill, his own good pleasure. He desires people to have Peace, and that's why he has chosen people 
to experience his peace. The shepherds wanted to go check the sign that the angel had proclaimed. They wanted to go see if this was actually true. Sometimes we want signs through what is outwardly glorious and majestic. But the sign that God sent was through simplicity. The sun was lying in a major. The shepherds found the sign. Everything was as the angels had said. They found a child in the manger. And this brought them great joy. Joy that they couldn't keep to themselves. They spread the good news of what had happened. That the Prince of Peace has come. He has come and is accessible to all. Everyone who heard this was amazed. Even Mary treasured these thoughts and began to think about what this meant. There are two things that come with the gospel of peace and joy. And one is proclamation. They had to spread the good news that they had heard and seen to all the people they knew. They couldn't keep it to themselves. And two, they worshipped. They worshiped God. And as we close, we need to be reminded of this truth. There may be a lot of chaos in the world today. We haven't experienced the peace and joy we wished we would have experienced. But I am here to remind you of an old story. 2,000 years ago, God came in the flesh. The Messiah came. And he came to bring peace and joy. I pray that today you can find joy and peace in him. That you may have faith in this that you may trust that this is what happened, that there is a king who came, who gives true peace. He's not like Augustus, the emperor, propagating his own type of superficial peace. No. Jesus came to give real peace, and he is accessible to everyone. He came as a child, humble, relatable, and accessible. And this should cause us to worship. Let's join with everyone and be joyful that the Lord has come. Do not be sad. No, God has acted. Christ is born. He has come from heaven. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon of the 1800s, he said this. If the birth of Jesus was so gladsome to the angels, it brought them so much joy, what should it be to us? If it made our neighbors sing who had comparatively so small a share in it, 
How should it make us leap for joy? Oh, if it brought heaven down to earth, should not our songs go up to heaven? If heaven's gate of pearl was set open at its widest, and the stream of shining ones came running down to the lower skies, talking about the angels, to anticipate the time when they shall all descend in solemn pomp at the glorious advent of the great king. If it emptied heaven for a while to make earth so glad, ought not our thoughts and praises and all our loves to go pouring up to the eternal gate. Leaving earth a while that we may crowd heaven with the songs of mortal men. We are going to join with the angels. And even though this was a hard year for a lot of people. There is reason to be joyful. There is peace. And it came through Jesus. So we are going to join with the angels and worship the king who brings peace and joy. Right there where you're at, if you could close your eyes and bow your head. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together. I pray that all of us may have been touched by your word that we may see that even though there are people who are trying to say they have peace, we know that true peace has come, not because of the new government policy. No, it has come because Jesus has come. And you came in a humble place where you are accessible and we could all meet you there. And we are thankful that you have brought joy and peace. And like the angels, we are going to sing and praise you. And just rejoice in this truth. Even though this world looks like it's in shambles. We know that our hope, our joy does not come from our circumstances. But it comes on the fact that Jesus is born. Amen.